Good morning. Have you ever built something up, got excited about something, had a sense of rising anticipation about something, only to end up feeling disappointed? Could be anything. Could be a holiday that you were really looking forward to that ended up being a bit of a disaster. Could be a, a gift that you were excited to give to someone and see their reaction. And then when they received the gift, their reaction was certainly not what you've been hoping for. Or it could be a novel that you've been reading and, and the excitement has been growing through page after page. And then you get to the final chapter and having had great excitement, it just leaves you feeling completely unsatisfied with the conclusion to the book. Some of you will have seen that I posted, uh, I posted on Facebook yesterday that Saturday marked 10 years since the last ever sold out event ran at the Aberdeen Exhibition Centre. If you don't know what sold out is, it's a sort of worship event that some of us were involved in leading and others might re remember attending. And I do look back on those days with huge thankfulness to God for those sold out days. But in reality, at the time, that final event was not everything that we had hoped it would be. We had been so looking forward to it, from the dates we'd landed on, to the speakers that we'd booked, uh, to, the, to the themes that we felt God uh, was leading us to, to the sort of promotional material, to the, the stage design and other logistics, to the, the times of prayer that we'd had and the planning times. There was this huge sense of spiritual anticipation for this final event. And so many things went wrong that last weekend. So Lindsay, she got really sick. She was one of the main singers in the band and she had to not sing and she could only play keys. So she had to learn the piano parts and, and the piano player ended up singing for us. Uh, the numbers were bizarrely low over the whole weekend. Uh, on the Friday night, the thermostat for the whole venue was broken, so the room was absolutely freezing. So between the lower numbers and the freezing cold atmosphere, it was not the best start to this worship event. There were some other disappointments, which I probably shouldn't uh, go into here on YouTube. But there was also disappointments regarding some of the music arrangements that we tried to pull off as a band. We made worse mistakes that weekend than, we've, than we really ever made apart from that. In fact, on the final night, we had planned this big musical intro, which was going to be played live over a pre-recorded video on the huge big screens and the, at the back. And this little uh, musical introduction went so badly wrong that it ended up with me saying, Oh well, good evening. Let's hope that you can sing better than we can play. Amen? <laughs> Which is not a good thing to, for me to have said in that moment, but it just gives you a little indication of, of how gutted I was in that moment and how bad it had been. There were just lots of ways that things didn't work out like we had hoped. In our minds in our hearts, I think with the right intentions, or not, who knows, we had hoped that this would be the big happy ending to this sold out story. But in a number of ways, it hadn't fully worked out like that. There was lots to be thankful for, but it hadn't worked out maybe like we had hoped. I think there could be elements of this that we might feel as we come to the closing chapters of Nehemiah, Ezra Nehemiah. 
Uh, we've been thinking over these last three months, uh, 13 messages we've had in Ezra and Nehemiah, we've been thinking about God's people knowing return, renewal, rebuilding. And while we've seen uh, many difficulties along the way, it ultimately has been a story with many encouragements. God's people, some of them at least, have returned to the land God gave them. They've had multiple, over the, the chapters in these books, multiple significant encounters with God. And under his word, there, there definitely has been something of that sense of spiritual renewal. And there's been rebuilding and restoration. God's temple rebuilt, the walls around Jerusalem rebuilt, and these things dedicated to God with some of the religious feasts back up and running, and God's people living under the teaching of his law again. And then we pick it up today in chapter 11. We're looking at the last three chapters today. And in chapter 11, we have this continuing story of this phased return to Jerusalem. As Emma rightly highlighted in the kids' spot, not everyone makes it back yet, but the leaders are being put in place to allow for Jerusalem to function as it should. Then in chapter 12, the writer zooms out and provides a record of the priests and the Levites who served from Zerubbabel. You might remember him from the early chapters, from Zerubbabel onwards. He takes us right back to, to the start, the opening chapters of, of Ezra. And the point here is to show, as he sort of zooms out for a moment, that even through all the ups and downs of this time, God's people were still meeting him through the ways that he had ordained. But from chapter 12, verse 27, I do encourage you to, to follow along in the Bible or you can download an app and follow along that way. So, so Grace, uh, her reading was from verse 27 of chapter 12. And, and we begin to, to, to get there what seems like it might be the happy ending that the book is set up for. So the wall around Jerusalem is to be dedicated to God. And we pick up the tone right there in verse 27 of chapter 12, where it says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. Gladness. Thanksgiving, singing and loud music accompanying it. And then we get these repeated themes through these verses of thanksgiving, joy, song, coming back to God. And in verse 30, you get a sense of the all-encompassing nature of this. It says in verse 30, And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. So the, the, they're, they're purifying themselves, the people, the gates, the wall. This is an important and significant moment. And then next you, you, you find that there are these two choirs who are to cover the different areas on the wall. And they sort of are symbolically encircling the whole city. So you have Ezra that goes uh, with the group to the north, sorry, to the south. See that in verse 36. And you have Nehemiah who goes with the group to the north. You read about that in verse 38. And then you have this big finale moment which is kind of set up and ready to go. The main characters are in place. So with the stage set, let's pick it up halfway through verse 42. 
where it says this, and the singers sang with Jezrahiah as their leader. Now I want you to imagine, you can almost hear the dramatic music begin to swirl and crescendo. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. And then the musical theme hits its peak. The screen fades to black. Up come the words, the end. And the audience erupt in this joyous applause at this fitting and right conclusion to this incredible story. I mean, that's surely where the story should stop, right? I mean, look at the tone of verse 43 there. They offered great sacrifices that day. This is what they wanted. This is what they've been longing for. And they rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also, what is it? Say it, rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. There's even this sense of, of great hope for the world beyond the city of God. The sound of the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. This should surely be the end, you would think. But it's not the end. It's not the end of our book. In terms of the main narrative of the story, it is the end. In terms of the, the, the way that the story has been folded over the chapters of Ezra and Nehemiah, it is the main end of, of this particular story. But from the phrase in verse 44, where it says, on that day, from that phrase, the author zooms right out and we're taken in a different direction. That phrase... Um, probably more helpfully would be rendered at this time, a bit more ge general, uh, as, as some translations have put it, referring to a much broad, broader period of time. We know that because the same phrase is used in verse 1 of chapter 13 of a period that we know is a very different period of time. Here in the ESV it says on that day, but again, probably it would be more understandable if it was rendered at this time. So what happens is from, from verse 44 of chapter 12, you get, first of all, a few verses of a sort of editorial interlude. And then from verse 4 of chapter 13, the story takes a turn. And it's a case of not them again. Not them again. Do you remember from a couple of weeks ago, there are these not them again enemies that keep coming and popping up. And uh, here, they're back. And first of all, it's Tobiah. Do you remember him? And uh, you come across th this character here from, from verse 4 of chapter 13 on. And between verses 4 and 9, you get the story of how Eliashib the priest, uh, and he's related to Tobiah, and he has cleared out a huge area of the temple to make this like sweet crib for Tobiah to live in. Nehemiah is not happy with this. This is a trampling of God's temple. Nehemiah deals with it in no uncertain terms. He throws out all the furniture and he gets that place cleaned right up. We're going to see later that the other enemy, Sambalat, he comes up later in the story. But before then, from verse 10 of chapter 13, there's more trial and difficulty. 
God's laws are not being fulfilled. The temple workers aren't being looked after. And you can see the seriousness of this in verse 11 of chapter 13. Nehemiah says, I confronted the officials and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered gathered them together and set them in their stations. And again, Nehemiah deals with it. Why is this house of God forsaken? Don't you see what we've been doing? And here you've just blown it. And then from verse 15, we find that there are more laws of God which are being completely ignored. God's Sabbath is not being observed. Look at verse 17 of chapter 13. It says there, Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? And again, Nehemiah deals with it, this time in no uncertain terms. As we see in verse 21, he says that uh, he'll lay hands on these people if they blow it again. But not in the, uh, not in the hey, let's have a nice prayer time mode of laying hands on. Nehemiah means something quite different, which I'm sure you can, can figure out. But you see the seriousness of what's happening here. Nehemiah is having to deal with these errors and sins and stumblings of God's people again and again. And finally, we see the same, in, in fact, increased anger and despair from Nehemiah from verse 23 onwards, where God's law again is ignored. And this time involving, wait for it, remember, who did I say? Sambalat, the Horrorite, not him again, right? And again, Nehemiah has to, to deal with it. Look at verse uh, 28 there the second part of verse 28 through to 31 it says therefore i chased him from me remember and then he cries it remember them oh my god because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the levites thus i cleansed them from everything foreign and i established the duties of the priests and levites each in his work and i provided for the wood offering at at appointed times and for the first fruits And then these final words, remember me, oh my God, for good. And that's where the book ends. And the question is, why finish the book here? Well, dear friends, the book finishes here to show our need. To show how needy we are. It leaves us wanting. It should leave us dissatisfied. The story is unresolved. It was all going so well that it did not end as God's people hoped it would. All these ways that that God's people are shown to have gone their own way. All of these ways, these were ways that just back in chapter 10, they had committed together to God to follow these laws correctly. And just within the case of a few chapters they've shown, they couldn't do it. And it's underlined for us here in chapter 13 in this truthfully really quite sad ending to these books. Ezra Nehemiah ends like this to underline that Even if it's renewed and rebuilt, this old way of relating to God will not do. 
because we will always choose our own ways. We will always prefer our own needs, our own priorities, our own honour over the honour of God himself. And this book, Ezra, Nehemiah, leaves us crying out for another way, another hope. Just like the disappointments of that final night of sold out <laughs> made us realise, well, we have a long way to go <laughs> in our worship of God. Just like when the disappointments of 2020 have landed on us, of course, much more seriously than any messed up band intro. Just like when the disappointments and the struggles and the difficulties of 2020 land on us, it leaves us crying out for another way. Just like when our usual patterns of connecting with God and God's people are interrupted, just when we, like when we encounter various problems that reveal our finitude and our need we, we realise again, we can't do it on our own. We, something grows in us if we're open to, to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit where we realise we need true and final return. We need true and final renewal. We need true and final rebuilding. Not rebuilding of a, a, a holy temple, but what we really need is us to be built together into the holy temple of God. This is what we need. And Ezra Nehemiah leads us to cry out for that. And in the way the Hebrew Bible, the Bible that Jesus would have read, in the way that that Bible was laid out in terms of the order of the books, Ezra Nehemiah is one of the last books. And um, just with Chronicles after it, as, as it looks forward to the coming hope of the Messiah. And this is the point. This is the point. We need a better way. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. That's the point. What disappointment are you living with just now? What story hasn't gone the way that you had hoped it would? Even one that maybe seemed like it was on track, full of joy. Like in Nehemiah chapter 12, dear friend, hope in Jesus. I want to read the closing paragraph of one of the commentaries. There's two commentaries I've referred to quite a lot over this time. This one's by Mark Throgfight. And I just want to read this, this closing chapter of his commentary because it just captures, I think, what, what we're getting after here. It says this, sobering as this word may be, we are not meant to dwell on this pessimistic portrayal of the community. Their failure is, after all, only an example of the sin that pervades the human race and the reason that all attempts at a lasting restoration of communion with God based on the law are doomed to failure. The restoration of Jerusalem with its temple and walls was not the final fulfilment of the prophetic hope. The walls would not withstand subsequent attack. The temple itself would later be destroyed. But 
from the loins of that sinful community, something new would appear. Not merely a restoration of the old, but a new departure, a totally new avenue of approach in which God himself, God himself, in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, would fulfil the demands of the law where Israel could not. It is to this final fulfilment of the prophetic hope that Ezra and Nehemiah ultimately points. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're in a season of disappointment just now. Or, or deeper than disappointment, perhaps a, serious, a season of huge trial and difficulty. The message of this book of Ezra, Nehemiah, is that we do need to come home to God, to return, to find renewal, to find rebuilding, but that we can't do it on our own. It's through Jesus that that work is accomplished. His work of the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, his work is done and his spirit is among us, even there with you right now, wherever you are, as you watch this video, his spirit is there inviting us, drawing us into that finished work of Jesus Christ. Yes, comforting us along the way, leading us and empowering us along the way to then share that good news, that good hope, that wonderful hope with those that we come into contact with. Wait on him. Come to Christ, wait on him. This is the season that we are about to enter just now, a time of waiting. How we need it. How we need the return, the renewal, the rebuilding that only Jesus can bring. Come to him and find joy and everlasting hope. I plead with you. Come to Jesus. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name.